Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and I'm so excited about today's episode. Uh, I think y'all are going to be very excited about it as well. We have got Ivan Hall in his house. Hey. Hey. (laughs) What an introduction. I love it. What's up, Taylor? Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, Also, just because I feel like we're buds, and it's exciting to have someone that like I've already talked to and that I consider a friend um, on the podcast for other people to get to know more because there is so much more that people want to know about you from watching you on uh, Tasha and Claire's season of Bachelorette. And I think this will be a good place for that. Yeah, I'm definitely so happy to be here. I've been waiting for my invite. You've uh, you took long enough, you know. Jeez, I expected okay. us to be one of the first podcasts. <laughs> okay, I knew that other people would get approval before. And that everyone would want you on, and it's it's such a weird thing, like Bachelor fam. And I think I definitely have my own like imposter syndrome. I try to work through when it comes to all of it, but. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, when people do come off the show, I do want to just try to be as supportive as possible. And a lot of people do end up like using each other. And and sometimes that's mutually beneficial. And other times it feels really icky. And I'm like, I don't like people to feel that way. So, yeah, I (laughs) I took my time. (laughs) No, I feel that. I appreciate that. The genuine friendship we've been able to build like over the last couple of weeks. So it's been cool. Yeah, you're like a really, I mean, honestly, just amazing person. And I'm really excited for people to get to know you more here and possibly more in other capacities in the future, but we'll get there. Um, (laughs) So first, I think probably one of the most pressing questions that people are going to want to know the answer to is around religion, Um, part of how you left on um, Tasha's Tasha season of Bachelorette was due to some religious differences that was kind of, you know, brushed over on the show. But people had questions about that. And I think as we've seen Matt's season progress, you know, there's just such a heavy religious focus on the show. Um, and I know you've talked about this a lot, but uh, wondering if you can share with us a little bit about like your own personal experience and, and journey when it comes to religion. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So what's like really, what's been really funny and different for me for sure is that I have talked about religion so much and I'm not even religious and yeah. I never <laughs> talk about religion really. <laughs> but like, if you look up Ivan Hall, there's a ton of articles with me because I'm having to do all these interviews and speak about religion now because that came up on the show. But I get it. Yep. I get it. Yeah. Uh, the way things ended there at, uh, on the show, it was like very ominous the way they had that happened. So like nobody knew what was happening. Nobody knew like what really the religious reason was. And uh, yeah, what it came down to was that, you know, it took up until the fantasy suite, but you know, that gave Tasha and I to talk a lot more and we got into details about a lot of different things. And basically she, um, she's fairly religious. She's Christian. And um, Mm -hmm. I think she came to the conclusion that she really could only envision herself with another person who's Christian and raising kids with another person who's Christian. And for myself, I I just identify as non-religious or agnostic. And um, I'm open to dating anyone of any religion or faith. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm also open letting my kids, you know, like explore other religions and stuff like that. Like, that's just the way kind of my mindset is. So, um, so, you know, at the end of the day, like, to no fault of her own or mine, really. It was just, it just re- wasn't the right match, I would say. Um, Tasha did have like the shortest season ever, too. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, like there really wasn't the perfect time to bring that up. And I think that was really probably the soonest time it could have really even come up. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then 
yeah, for myself, like growing up, I was, I guess, religious, like as a kid, because my mom was religious and my dad wasn't religious. He, I don't think he ever talked about it, but I did go to private school. Um, my mom got us, got me and my brother baptized. Um, didn't know what that meant at the time, but we mm-hmm. went through all that stuff. She taught us prayers. I remember, I remember I used to pray to God for stuff, yeah. but then as time progressed and like I became a teenager, I think, um, I started to just wonder a little bit more. And that's when my dad started talking to my brother and I a little bit more about religion. And my mom's like faith kind of just, uh, faded away basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so, and what I always say, the main thing that my parents really tried to teach me was to always be a critical thinker and don't just like take their word or anybody's word for the truth. So mm-hmm. that just set me down a path to like research things and, and look into different religions. And, you yeah. know, that's what kind of where I arrived just right now where I'm just, uh, I basically say, I don't know what to believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happens after death and all that kind of stuff and why I affiliate as uh, non-religious or agnostic. Mm-hmm. Is there any one religion that you do feel most drawn towards of any of them? Um, of the major ones, I'd definitely say probably not. Because um, mm-hmm. the main thing with religion for me is the dogmatic nature of it, where people like to, um, you know, count things as incontrovertibly true um, mm-hmm. without really having like facts or hard evidence for me. And that's just mm-hmm. so hard for me to get over. Um, but I do like to say that I am open-minded to change. And if anything ever does prove itself to be true to me, mm-hmm. then I'm all on board and I'm perfectly fine with that. And, you know, but like nothing's proven itself to be true to me. And another major thing is like anybody who's religious, um, the majority of the world's not their religion actually. And, you know, they think like bad things are going to happen to them. So like, I just think it's all, yeah, it's all like really contradictory and whatnot, but I do see value in religion as well with the community aspects of it and mm-hmm. like the uh, aspects of like giving hope to pe- for people. Um, yeah. So it's not just like, it's a bad thing, but um, I definitely mm-hmm. see how it could unite people as well though. Yeah. It's a way people make sense of life. I mean, life is so wild. We go through so much shit and religion, sure. I think definitely helps give people some sense of meaning to that and it can be really beneficial, but we also see where, you know, it can create a lot of harm at the same time. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like one of the biggest thing is like, like, for example, cause I've mostly ran across living in the Bible belt, like Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I like tell myself, I'm like, I would love to think that if I do certain things, I would live for eternity in heaven. Like that sounds like a way better alternative than <laughs> yeah. like me just not knowing that like, I would love to do that and being able to see like potentially, you know, my ancestors and whatnot. But, you know, that's just that hasn't proven itself to be true to me. And um, that's kind of why I feel like, well, I I feel like I'm able to potentially appreciate like just life more in a, in a mm-hmm. sense because I don't know what's going to happen. So I try to make the most out every day. Mm-hmm. I try to appreciate everybody around me now because um, mm-hmm. I don't really think I don't know if I have something to fall back on later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we're getting a little technical now, but that's just. Yeah. Yep. My stance on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm wondering how you feel about spirituality, what your relationship is with spirituality. Can you, can you define that for me? Ooh, <laughs> well, <laughs> like a sense of your soul and a sense of, I mean, to me, spirituality has a very, um, high relationship to like things being interconnected. Um, and yeah. In a way, having a sense of faith, um, having a sense of trust in in just the direction and in the way of life. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily I, like 
specific to a higher po- higher power that is a mm-hmm. person, more kind of like the interconnectedness of all yeah. of our beings. Yeah, by that definition, I would definitely say I'm spiritual. Then, um, like I'm a I'm a big believer in like being positive and and like having good thoughts, putting out good energy, and like good things will happen mm-hmm. to you. Um, I always try to like be overly positive, almost just because I I feel like it works out better instead of the opposite. Um, and I try to never complain about things, just like more positive energy I put out, more good things will happen to me. I feel like, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely the eternal optimist for myself. Mm, okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. All right. It is time for a short break right here. Cause y'all, we got a new sponsor of the podcast and very, very excited about this one because this is like a practical and almost kind of necessity. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about hydration here. Okay. The new sponsor of the podcast is Hydrant, and it's a refreshing drink mix powder made with four key electrolytes. Okay, we got sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. And magnesium is like, I know I need more magnesium. (laughs) Um, And it's made with real fruit juice powder and no artificial sweeteners or synthetic colors. None of the nonsense, just all the good stuff. And also they have for an extra boost, you can try Hydrant Immunity, which has got vitamin A, B6, B12, C, and D, which we all like some good vitamin D. Let's be real. Okay. I'm in Seattle. All right. We're lacking some sunshine over here right now. Uh, and it's also got ginger and turmeric, two of my favorites. Uh, it's water meets wellness and a vitamin packed mixed drink that you can drink hot in all these chillier months as well. And one of my favorite parts about this too, y'all, is that it's backed by 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't love it, guess what? You can just send it right on back for a full refund. And I think that that is a major plus for advertisement and when I share something with y'all because I know you might be thinking, well, am I really going to like it? Does it actually taste good? Is it actually going to be good for me or not? And you can take advantage of the offer that we've got here. And if it doesn't work out for you, you really didn't lose anything. So you really need to try it out for yourself so that y'all can see what I'm talking about. It's incredible and helps with all the things. So you can try Hydrant today and save up to 20% on your first order. This is a special deal only for our listeners. You can save 20% on your first order. Go to drinkhydrant.com slash Taylor and enter our promo code Taylor at checkout. That's D-R-I-N-K-H-Y-D-R-A-N-T dot com slash Taylor and enter the promo code Taylor for 20% off your first order. Again, that's drinkhydrant.com slash Taylor and enter the promo code Taylor to save 20% off. Thank you so, 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 so much to Hydrant for sponsoring the podcast. Hydrant is where water meets wellness and where Taylor gets happy and I love them being a sponsor and I love their product and I want more of it. So, (laughs) so very happy to partner with them here. And again, I hope that y'all check it out with all that said, we can now get right back to the show. So then going on the show, did you feel very optimistic that you were going to find the love of your life? (laughs) Um, so I will say I am a numbers guy and like a stats guy. So (laughs) Uh, so I know that was a, you know, level setting my head a little bit because, um, mm-hmm. you know, there are 30 plus people that go on the show. Mm-hmm. So whatever, that's a three, two to 3% chance that I get picked kind of to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, um, I went on the show and it was Claire as the bachelorette and she, there is a bigger age gap there. So that's just kind of works against you as far as the, the stats portions of things and like how people normally 
how relationships normally look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the thing I was telling myself and the producers and all the casting producers was that I, I really am open to any uh, race or age. I had dated a, a somebody who was exactly Claire's age when I was like 25. So that was even a bigger mm-hmm. age gap. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, my parents have like a very like non-traditional relationship where, um, you know, one, my dad's black from South side of Chicago, um, like from the hood. And then my mom's from like a third world country, grew up with nothing in the, in the Philippines. And on top of that, they have a 17 year age gap between them. Mm-hmm. And um, they've been married for 30 plus years, 31 years or so now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've made it work and, and uh, they love each other unconditionally. So I know, I knew, um, you know, things were working against me, but you, going on the show, I knew that you never know what could happen, really. Um, you, I could find love. And then I'll, in addition to that, I knew I would be able to have so, um, the time of my life and do things I challenge myself in ways where I've never been challenged before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. For me going on the show, I was like, I'm probably not going to end up with this person <laughs> if I really look at everything. But it could be a cool experience and challenging myself in a few areas of my own personal development and my own pers- yeah. personal growth. Um, I, felt, I felt like you and Nick were the perfect match, though. I real missed wow. opportunity there. Ivan, Ivan. <laughs> oh, goodness. I kid, I kid, um, I kid. So one of, the, one of the things that people, I feel like, always say going on the show is that they're like, I'm just ready for marriage. I'm, I'm ready for marriage. I'm ready mm-hmm. for a relationship. What's your take on that phrase? Is that something you resonate with? Uh, to a certain degree. That ma- the way you just said it, it makes it seem like somebody's trying to rush into it. And for myself, like... <laughs> Maybe uh, that was like my own bias of like <laughs> the stereotypes people put on the women that go on yeah. the show being like desperate and needing yeah. marriage and all of that. So maybe it's more like a, I'm in a place where I'm really ready for marriage. Instead yeah. of, I'm just ready. I'm uh, ready for marriage. I got you. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. No, I mean, that's kind of my mindset. Um, uh, I do feel like I am in a good place and, and ready for marriage, but like I am by no means going to force or rush anything, though. I'm mm-hmm. going to let it come to me naturally, whether it happens to me, you know, this year when I'm 28, 29, or if it happens when I'm 35, like I'm not putting a timetable on that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, when it happens, it ha- it'll happen. And um, I do think I'm ready to be a husband and father, though, for sure. And that's, Especially fatherhood, that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. What makes you think that you're ready for those things? Um, one, mostly, um, you know, I've got my career in life. I've got my finances in life uh, all set and ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, like I see all my siblings starting families, like all my siblings. I have my younger brother, but then I have my older half siblings too. And they have their kids and they get to do things with them. And uh, on top of that, I want my parents to... Um, be able to enjoy my kids. Um, mm-hmm. My dad's a little bit older. He's he's 73. So uh, one of the fears of mine is like that he'll never get to meet my kids. And I really want my kids to have a relationship with my dad because he's played such mm-hmm. a big role in my life. Um, but yeah, again, I don't want to rush it, but I, I kind of do almost just because I really want that relationship to happen. I unfortunately never got to be my dad's uh, mother who mm-hmm. raised him and he would tell me all these stories. And um, yeah, I just really wish that for my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. That, that makes total sense. Um, I didn't realize that your dad was that much older. Um, he certainly don't look it. Um, so, <laughs> so good for him. Yeah. Uh, not that aging is a bad thing by any means, but yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And you mentioned finances and I know that's something that you're like very passionate about. I think it's already slightly came through here. You're very like logistical. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about 
your passion for money and uh, like financial preparedness. Like I think we learned a lot about you on the show, but I think that that piece of your personality and of your interests and passions wasn't something that we got to see on the show. For sure, for sure. So um, I work as an engineer, but I've also like taught classes and mentored people a little bit on like financial literacy, mm-hmm. um, mostly just out of uh, out of need. I felt like I I, I kind of try to pay attention to like what America's problems are, and uh, you know, financial literacy is definitely one of those. We got a um, lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No one knows, <laughs> and with money, it's almost like it's just so strange to me because it's such an important part of of your life yet you're like almost never taught it in school at all. Mm-hmm. It's like the strangest thing to me. Like you're never taught about interest rates or mortgages or investing. Wow. Yeah, or anything. It's like, I feel like the system's designed to just put you in debt and keep you there. And Yes, um, that's how it's and I, Exactly. And that's, and we can say it's working. So, um, you know, to help combat that, I mean, um, I, that's why I started to try to, try to help people out because mm-hmm. when I first started working, I finally started coming into, coming into some money, uh, making a good living for myself. And I'm like looking around at all my friends who are engineers too. And like, nobody knows what to do with their money. So like, I just started reading and looking at articles and, um, mm-hmm. you know, over time I've been able to, um, get things set up pretty nice for myself and it's paid huge dividends just in like the six years I've been out of college where I guarantee you, like I have like have three times the amount of money of guys like who started the exact same time as me just because I like invested wisely and mm-hmm. um, diversified my portfolio and, and just did like real simple things that are going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars or even millions of dollars difference when I'm like 40 or 50 years old. And will really set not only myself up for the future and when I'm like old and, you know, need help, but like my family hopefully mm-hmm. um, will be able to benefit from that as well. Yeah. You said part of why you're ready for, you know, becoming a dad is because you got your finances in check. So you ready, it sounds like. I I like to think so. And also like financial issues are a big, you know, factor when it comes to divorce and like happy families, happy households. Um, So being able to provide like a stable, um, you know, income with, you know, Mm -hmm. meals and whatnot is uh, is really crucial to for uh, success in a relationship and family. Yeah. Is that at all influenced by how you were raised and how you grew up? A hundred percent. So yeah, my parents, uh, I'd say I grew up upper middle class. My dad had like a really good job. He was a manager for Hewlett Packard, the uh, computer company. And my mom was a librarian and, you know, I never had to worry about meals. I got whatever I wanted. Um, like whatever I want. If I asked for it, they would probably get it for me. But like they, they you did were a good spoiled, job. Of, you're saying. No, like, so I, I like to say I wasn't spoiled. My brother was spoiled though. But uh, yeah, like they paid for my car, my first car. They paid for me to go to college. And I was just very grateful for all that. And I knew I was like privileged for sure in that regard. Mm-hmm. And, um, but them doing that for me allowed me to like not have to worry about, you know, the basic needs in life. And I was able to like kind of just explore other areas Um, Mm -hmm. such as like the need for financial literacy. Like even my parents today, like I remember I would ask them a ton of questions about money, but I would recognize they didn't really ever have like good answers for me. Like they were just making it and then they Mm -hmm. didn't really know what to do with it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think like maybe like now, now I kind of annoy them with it because like I think maybe this year I asked like my parents, like, what do you think your net worth is? And then they both like struggled, struggled, struggled. And then they both threw out a number. And then in like 
a second, I was like, y'all are dead wrong. And they were just so far off. And I was just doing like a quick calculation of all the assets they had at their house. But uh, it's just, but like, that's the, I was like such a weirdo like that. But that's like the stock. That's just like what the typical American is like, though. They just don't know yeah. what's going on at all. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's why I like, I, I just have everything uh, down to science right now. And I know everything about my financial situation mm-hmm. going forward. And it really doesn't take too much time or effort, really. Hmm. All right, we're going to take a short break right here because we've got our regular sponsor with a friendly reminder to take care of yourself, to prioritize your mental health, to know that your mental health matters and that it is okay if you are not okay because there is help out there. So I want to remind you all about BetterHelp, which is an online professional counseling service. Now, it's not a crisis line. This is legitimate, licensed, professional counselors who are specialized in a variety of of issues, of problems that you might be experiencing, whether it's trauma, um, grief, depression, relationship issues, um, and anything that you share is confidential. It's convenient. You can uh, get matched with a provider within 24 hours. Um, You take a short little um, quiz so that, not quiz, but, you know, a little survey thing uh, to answer some questions so that they know what it is that you're looking for. And then they match you with someone and it's free to change counselors if it doesn't feel like a good fit. Um, But a lot of people, are using this. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So if you are a provider, a licensed professional counselor, maybe hit on that BetterHelp if you're looking for some extra work. Um, But as a listener of this podcast, y'all know I'm going to hook you up with a handy dandy discount so you can get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash talk about it. You can join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash talk about it. And now we can get back to the show. Now, how important is that for you of equality in someone that you would want to spend your life with like their own literacy of that a lot of people had questions on like what you're looking for in a woman and like you know what what you would want in your in your partner and I'm wondering how financial literacy plays a role in that given that that's something you're super passionate about we talked about the religion piece and it sounds like you're pretty open-minded and flexible on that end yeah that's a great question um that I haven't really thought too much about actually as far as the financial literacy piece um, because I kind of always imagined myself taking the reins in that area, I would think. Mm, but, like being you know, a if, provider and like caregiver financially? Um, well, just also, I mean, if my wife makes more money than me, that's completely fine too. But um, as far as like managing our money properly and, and setting all that stuff up, I, I, uh, I like enjoy doing that. But if, if I found somebody who likes doing that too, that'd be, that'd be you know, um, some real synergy there. And I think that'd be great, but mm-hmm. if not, that's fine. Um, I definitely have like weaknesses too. So, um, mm-hmm. hopefully they're strong in those areas as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as far as like my partner, like I think the main thing I look for, um, is someone who just has like a really big heart and very empathetic. Um, that's like the number one thing I, I need. Um, because that's how I, f- that's what I think about myself as well. And like, I really want to be able to give back to people in the world later on in life, that's going to be a big part of my life. You know, like when I'm in my forties and fifties and like well-established, I want to have charities. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to do things that really make a difference. And, um, mm. you know, I don't want everything to just be about making money in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that makes me think of one of the questions that someone submitted here in terms of giving back. Um, 
Someone asked, I thought this was a great question. Um, your thoughts on gender privilege and being an ally to non-male identifying people of color. Um, and you just mentioned giving back and wanting to, you know, support communities. And I'm wondering how that plays a part for you at all. If that's something that you've thought of, kind of what your thoughts are on that question. The gender privilege part. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's definitely like, there's definitely a gap there, right? For sure. Um, I, I mean, I definitely support like equal pay and all that kind of stuff because that's, you know, in this country, women are definitely held down and held back um, in, in a lot of regards. And that comes from, you know, this patriarchal system we've, we've built. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was talking to somebody, I think my maybe my dad or my brother or something about this recently, where mm-hmm. I was like, in positions of, po- positions of power, we definitely need at least 50% women, in my honest opinion, because men, <laughs> women just like, mm-hmm. it's kind of in their nature, generally, this is very generally speaking, but um, they're, they're like more caring and empathetic and don't want to go to war as much, generally speaking, not, not just, yeah. you know. And um, I, I think that's something that people started to adopt more so in the Scandinavian countries in Europe. And mm. I think it's really bearing fruit because it's, it's thinking about things through a woman's perspective instead of always from the man's perspective, mm-hmm. um, which is crucial when it comes to lawmaking and, 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 you know, figuring out how to solve issues. Yeah, so, especially when um, these things yeah. are going to impact women. For sure. For sure. I, I 100% think like all positions of power really just need as much diversity as possible. Women, men, um, religious diversity. I, I, I saw a stat the other day where 23% of the country of, of um, the country is unaffiliated or non-religious, but there was only one person who claimed to be out of like 450 congressmen um, to be non-religious. That's way underrepresented in, yeah. in Congress. So it's... Um, yeah, so yeah, that goes just plays into the fact where like diversity is needed on every level, everywhere, in order to get the best results. Yeah, you smart. I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing that. That it was a good. That's fucked up. Blew my mind. <laughs> I'm telling you, blew my mind. I was like, one person claimed it. That's crazy. Now, granted, I will yeah. say there's a lot of people who just do it just to say there are something because they know they need that for the votes. But mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) and, and you mentioned religious diversity and I think kind of racial diversity as well and gender diversity. Um, so I want to bring this back to bachelor world for a sec. Um, Uh, let's do it. Yeah. It's, (laughs) you never (laughs) escape it. Um, what are your thoughts on the lack of religious diversity and your experience within like the franchise thus far in terms of both racial and religious diversity? So yeah, being, when I first got casted on the show, um, it was one of those things where like, I knew about the show, but didn't like fully like know about it. Like people in my circle, my friend, guy Mm -hmm. friends aren't watching the bachelor or bachelorette. So that caused me to go down this, down this like path of like researching. Cause like I needed to see what the show was about and, um, you know, and then all the stuff happened, you know, really in that May, June timeframe. And that yeah. really like started that, what is it? The batch diversity campaign and all, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that with playing out all these issues. Matt, and, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When they announced Matt pointing out all these issues in bachelor nation. And, um, what's funny is like, yeah, like very early on in the casting process. And I even brought this up, um, to the casting producers directly. Um, I was like, Hey, I'm half black, half Asian. 
that I like check two boxes for you guys if we're being <laughs> honest here. Um, like it's, it's, and, uh, cause they, they lack diversity, of course, as far as black men, but they really lack diversity as far as Asian men. Asian men yeah. are way underrepresented in the, in that's your nation. Super. So, and, and I, and I sent a tweet out actually earlier this year where I said I was the first Blasian person in the history of the show in like mm. my, my quick research and nobody's even been able to challenge that yet. So like out of hundreds of people, I've never, there's never been somebody who's been half black, half Asian on the show. Um, so I think it was, you know, I thought it was of great value to the show too. Cause like people got to see like what my, what my family looked like and that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you typically get to see, but that's kind of stuff. And those kind of families are happening in America every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to the religious, religious diversity portion. Um, yeah, it's definitely leans heavily Christian is what I've mm-hmm. realized now. Very yeah. heavily Christian. Um, I will say the leads who are Christian, if that's something that's important to them, then I definitely understand them you know, fully like showing that on camera. Cause that's just a part of who they are. Like I, like I've been asked about Matt doing his prayer. I'm like, that's Matt. That's what he needs to do. That's best for him. Yeah. Now, like stepping back and looking at all of this stuff from like a zoomed out view. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think they said maybe Ari was atheist. Maybe I think he's the one guy I want to mm-hmm. say that's the only person um no idea but, not sure if you're <laughs> if you're aware of this but i'm not very fond of him <laughs> you know what now i think about it i don't i don't think you are yeah from what <laughs> I, I feel like yes yeah but i think that was the only guy who was non-religious mm-hmm. but um Didn't know yeah that. so I, yeah so to see it going forward i mean and it doesn't have to be non-religious people like i did say 23 percent of the country is non-religious so that'd be great to see more uh leads who are non-religious but anything muslim um jewish whatever um mm-hmm. that'd be great like that'd be great insight for myself personally because i don't know too many like let's say jewish people they're not as prevalent down here in, in dallas as they are like in the northeast um, and mm-hmm. see what those love stories look like as well so i think all that adds extreme value um for the franchise and, and really for the viewers as well mm-hmm. yeah i love that you were like i'm of high value here casting (laughs) no like i'm such a stats guy i was like well i kind of checked two boxes this actually works out so (laughs) like i'm such a logical thinker when it comes to things so well i mean you're not wrong so i'm (laughs) at least confident you know in that and it was also factually true um (laughs) all right we're gonna take a short break right here because we've got a very fun very fun new sponsor of the podcast called Best Fiends. And I'm excited to share this with you all because almost every time I see Naya, who's like basically my little sister, um, she's the only person that I see in, in my little bubble. And every time I see her, we are playing Best Fiends. It's... <laughs> It's like a casual mobile puzzle game, uh, but we can't put it down. Every time I'm over there, she wants to play it and she loves the characters and, you know, increasing each new level. Um, I play it sometimes too when I'm home by myself and getting ready for bed and just want something to do that's like fun and casual and playing games because I love playing games. So it's a really fun way to just kind of unwind. Um, They have literally over a million downloads and it's five-star rated uh, mobile puzzle game that is honestly just a must play. So once you download Best Fiends, you really won't be able to put it down. You'll just keep telling yourself, just one more level. I'm just going to keep going. Just, I know I can get to this next level. Um, (laughs) So I highly recommend that y'all check it out and 
You can download it for free on Apple uh, App Store or on Google Play. And that's friends without the R. So best fiends. Um, best fiends. <laughs> It's very fun. Um, Honestly, with no exaggeration, there's over 5,000 puzzle levels and counting. Um, So the fun really never ends, whether it's with, you know, a little friend of yours with a a child or just with yourself because adults need to play too. And (laughs) we are very worthy of having that playtime too. So anyway, hope that y'all download Best Fiends for free today on Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Friends, friends, friends. <laughs> anyway, with that said, we can now get back to the show and maybe you can download it afterwards and have some fun listening or playing it after you listen. <laughs> All right, now we can get back to the show. You mentioned that like along the way, you know, the uprisings were happening. Uh, people were, you know, predominantly white people were all of a sudden becoming woke to the issues of black people and actually listening a little bit uh, for a small period of time uh, Mm -hmm. to black people. And hopefully we see that continue, but you know, your conversation on the show with Taisha related to the black lives matter movement was really, really special. And I think people had a lot of feelings, a lot of opinions about it. Um, but honestly, it's not something that the show would have ever shown in the past if it even happened in the first place. So just the pure fact that it was on national mainstream cable TV, I think was powerful. Um, what was the feedback that you got from that? And what was it like for you to be vulnerable in that position? And you know, that, that was something like really personal and, um, yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so one, I'll, I'll start with the feedback. The feedback from that conversation was amazing. Uh, I remember actually like right after that date happened, the, some of the EPs came up to me, executive producers came up to me and they're like, Oh my gosh, that was the best date I've ever seen. And I was just <laughs> like shocked. And they were like shaking my hand. I'm like, I just they were shaking I, your hand. Yeah, like I, I just no, I, I'm not even joking. I I was like, I just talked. Like I don't know, like what are we doing here? But uh, but um, you know, I think to put it in context, though, that time when I had my one-on-one with Tasha, that was in probably late July ish, mm-hmm. and I was in the bubble since like maybe mid or early July. Yeah. So there was a lot that was happening in the world when I left. A mm-hmm. whole lot. And then on top of that, um, all that stuff that was happening like made me like think about things every uh, more than I ever did in the in the past, and it really made me check myself because like my brother, for example, and I brought it up on the show, like he's brought up correctional officer brutality and police brutality. Mm-hmm. I know my dad's talked about it with me before too. And um, you know, some of my first thoughts back in the day, whenever my brother would talk about things that happened to him in prison. I would sometimes ask him, like, Gabe, like, what did you do to cause that? And, you know, and that's where I just felt really, really bad. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I learned from it for sure, because it just reminded me of, like, the George Floyd situation where a lot of people are just asking, like, you know, what did he do to cause it instead of just realizing that what happened was dead wrong and shouldn't be happening. Um, So it kind of just, it just kind of happened, that conversation happened organically because we were just talking about our families. And then there was just such that, um, like close tie with my brother in that type of situation with mm-hmm. um, prison and police and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and additionally, I just definitely needed to like hear from Tasha too. Um, 
like what her thoughts kind of were and like understand better where she came from and how all of that stuff affected her because I know it's affecting everybody tremendously Mm -hmm. Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of that's how kind of how it all came about and I'm really glad America got to see that because it really was just a regular conversation. That date, more than any other time, I felt like it was just me and her. They gave they did a really good job of like separating themselves, like the cameras and all that kind of stuff that night. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was actually really valuable that we had like the game night portion of it too, because I think it just made both of us really comfortable with each other, just like mm-hmm. drinking, having fun, doing a lot of just silly stuff. And then it really allowed us just to get that comfort, build that initial comfort to where we felt like we could talk and uh, and open up to each other a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I mean, in general, just from my conversations with you, I feel like you are very easy to talk to and very easy to like open up to. Um, and the conversation that you both had, I think was one of the very few dates where it actually felt like a real genuine connection, where it felt like you were actually getting to know both people. And it was an actual back and forth uh, that I don't think we always see on the date. So mm-hmm. I definitely think, I mean, it makes sense that they gave, that they actually gave you privacy and they gave you space on that date. The fact that they were shaking your hands afterwards, I think <laughs> also goes to show like that they were probably so touched by that because they also probably haven't even been exposed to those kinds of conversations and those kinds of experiences from people who don't necessarily maybe look like them. And I don't know if these were producers who were white or who were black or or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm happy that they gave the respect that, that, that conversation needed. And I think also there was a bit of kind of that, input from being biracial. Um, you know, Tasha had kind of spoke about growing up mm-hmm. with people that didn't look like her, AKA being the only black girl, AKA yeah. growing up around only white people. Yeah. Um, and you know, I know you said that you've dated people from like many different backgrounds. And so you've yeah. been exposed to people, you know, having different experiences with that. But, um, I mean, what's, what's your experience then like being, uh, biracial, being Filipino and black and, how have you kind of experienced that through dating? Through dating? Um, so, like, I, I did actually grow up in a, like, very white area as well um, in North Dallas. And then I also went to, like, a very white college. Like, it was 5% black people in my college. So I was kind of – I've always been used to meeting people kind of like Tasha, where I feel like they've always kind of grown up in a bubble to, to, uh, to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Um or people that are like, you know, like the type of black people that only have like white friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so with my dad, that was like, he instilled in us from like a young age, like, hey, son, you're black. You're going to be viewed as black. Watch out. Don't do certain things, that kind of stuff. So like it was mm-hmm. always on my mind. And um, sure, like I, th- I think like any biracial person, you kind of struggle a little bit with your identity. But I, I think fairly early on, I was able to just embrace it and, and appreciate myself for being unique you know, some people, you know, try to make fun of you for being too black or being too Asian and you're, or the other, you know, more common is like when with black and white people being too white, being too black. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a constant struggle we always go with, but it's like, you know, we are both those things and, you know, you kind of just embrace it and just appreciate yourself for being a, a, a unique person. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, as far as my dating goes, like I've made it a point for myself to uh, purposefully date people of all races and um, backgrounds and cultures. I, I've tried to do that like throughout my 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to be closed-minded or closed off to anybody. Uh, I wanted that experience because I think experience is the best way to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's like another reason that I think feeds into 
the fact that I do think I am like ready for marriage or a long-term relationship um, mm-hmm. really now more than ever. Um, I'm, I'm always continuously learning. I'm always trying to learn more about people. But uh, yeah, that, that added value of dating a ton of different types of people um, mm-hmm. really comes in handy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. When when I recorded the Being Biracial series, um, one of the things that some of the guys had um, expressed of being part of their experience being biracial um, was a certain level of fetish. I literally always fuck up this word every time I <clears throat> say it. A certain level of fetishization. Fetishization. Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Fetishizing. Fetishization, a certain level of being fetishized. (laughs) There we go. Um, (laughs) And I mean, this is typically from white women, but they also do receive it from other biracial and and mixed race uh, women. And I'm wondering if, you know, that's something that you've experienced, um, whether it's with dating or with, um, you know, any kind of sexual relationship of feeling like, your novelty because of your race when it comes yeah. to people or if you've been like objectified in that way. Uh, Cause I know like that sure. came through when we did that episode. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, um, <laughs> this is a kind of funny one. Cause I just was talking to my new friend, the comedian guy named Michael Yo. Um, and he's a, uh, yeah, he's a, he's like a famous comedian and he's got mm-hmm. this funny clip where he, and he's blazing too, like me, where he talks about being a starter black for white women because oh. we're, because we're like yeah. half black, we're half black, but not fully black. Mm-hmm. So they could like dip their toe in before they go, you know, full black, which mm-hmm. I thought was, you know, that was just an all humor and fun, but, yeah. um, but yeah, yeah. And then even from like the blacks from black women too, though, it's like, they'll look at me, they'll be like, oh man, you've got that good hair just because like my hair's straight and I'm just like, listen, my hair's not good just because it's straight. It's just my natural hair. Like because that immediately puts like downing themselves and downing Mm -hmm. black men for having curly hair. So like, I don't, I don't like it when they do that too. But um, yeah, a lot of people are just with me just because like, yeah, black women will be like, your hair is straight. You know, you're a little bit more light skin. Like Mm -hmm. I I, I do not like it when people, uh, you know, objectify me like that at all. Yeah. The colorism, it's inherently anti-black and those statements of like, oh, you got the good hair, like, or even for me, I have white girl hair. Um, When people make comments on like that being good, it's like, that's anti-black and now I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I I cringe all the time when I hear that kind of stuff. I just cringe, but yeah, it's just like people's psyche since they're babies really, you know, like I'm sure you've probably seen that experiment where like, you show to uh, two like toddlers, a black doll and a white doll. Mm-hmm. They're always, yeah. and you ask them like, which one's prettier? They'll mm-hmm. say the white doll almost every time. I did yeah. that to my niece and her cousin. And when they were like maybe three or four and man, it's, it, 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 that's exactly what happened. And they mm-hmm. didn't even know why they were just like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. They were just, it's just prettier, yeah. but it's just built in us um, since we're kids. So mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like having to, we're having to try to unlearn everything all the time. And then also trying to like, make sure like when I have kids, teach them that like, mm-hmm. you know, black skin's beautiful, curly hair is beautiful um, just to combat that really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to unlearn. Um I'm wondering if there's anything specific that you can think of that you've had to unlearn in that area, um, whether it be personally or generally speaking. Um, you did grow up in a little bit more of a, 
white focused area. And even like to that experiment, even though it's like, even when we say people who grew up in, you know, a little bit more of a white bubble, it's like the whole fucking everywhere is a fucking white yeah. bubble. Yeah, like the TV, the TV is <laughs> not, built, yeah, exactly. Like TV is not built for us. For yeah. Sure, it's like so. you have to intentionally like yep. search and, and surround yourself in blackness and, 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 I'll definitely say that it's not true for everyone. There are yeah, certain people sure. who are completely, their whole life is, is around blackness. Um, but I mean, that's something that I've had to process myself. Um, so I'm wondering if there's anything you've had to kind of unlearn in that area. Um, you know, I think especially just, just because of the area I did grow up in, you know, like definitely the, the whole like darker skin versus lighter skin situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's just I, I I know I was probably I was definitely part of the problem too or like I wouldn't maybe go out get as much sun because um, somebody yeah. might be like oh you're too dark now and that kind of stuff so now it's just like I just embrace it as it, it, mm-hmm. it's what it is like I just appreciate myself for who I am that really like messes with a kid's mind too I realized mm-hmm. and um, like yeah one of my friends I remember he was like he's just, he's as dark as could be this black guy right and the amount of stuff that people used to like say to him it probably made him feel so bad growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that doesn't define who you are at all, just your skin color, you know? It's just like basic human, mm-hmm. I don't know, compassion we need. I don't know. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. It, yeah, it's just crazy to think about how much skin color has played a role in history and even today. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just For crazy a long, to me. long, long time. Exactly. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely crazy, yeah. Um. Yeah, part of uh, it's probably going to go down as like one of my favorite episodes of all time that I did with uh, Sabrina Strings, the author of Fearing the Black Body. And it was like literally white men like developed and created even the concept of race, right? Like that race is Mm -hmm. literally like a social construct. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, yeah, man, what was it like before that? Jeez. I don't know. I could go on a whole thing about it, but um Yeah. We almost wouldn't know because if you go back far enough, our history books get erased and stuff. So exactly. nobody tell the stories. But yeah, we're going exactly. <laughs> so many problems, geez. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um one that I do want to touch on here, because you you briefly kind of talked about um your brother, and your brother was like a really big part of the show, and you like <laughs> broke my heart on your hometown when he surprised you. And I was like, Oh my god, I've been so happy i was um yeah you were so happy when he got there yeah yeah can you talk about the importance of all that yeah for sure um so how that all happened really was um like chris harrison came in that week or actually let me back it up earlier in the season they asked me like who would i want to come for hometowns i was like i need my mom there my dad there my brother and my niece please <clears throat> but I kind of knew my my niece's mom might not let her come if COVID is happening still. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. so that's who I like was in my mindset for when I, when I got that rose to go to the hometowns. I was like, okay, this is who's going to be here. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Harrison came in and told each of us who was going to be here from our families. And for me, he just said my mom and dad were were going to be there, and then um, and stopped. And though I was happy, like my mind instantly actually went to like a very dark place just because it's like um, PTSD from the past or really. Um, still gives me like stress and anxiety now where hmm. I um, am always wondering like did something happen to my brother mm-hmm. um, like before he went to prison it wasn't just like a he was all good then just went to prison it was like you no know, he was getting arrested he was getting in fights he was going to drug rehab we would go with him 
mm-hmm. things would happen. I'd get a call in the middle of the night to go like come save the day basically or pick him up and he's like all bloodied up or whatever else. It's like crazy stuff happening and like some crazy situations that I've been in um, to help him out. And then even being out of prison um, for the last year and a half, like there's been, you know, several things that have happened and he's uh, still struggling, you know, with addiction, mostly alcohol mm-hmm. addiction now. Um, and it's just a constant struggle. So like when I get these, uh, any kind of like bad news or no news, I guess, from my brother mm-hmm. or about my brother, then it just freaks me out. So, and then I knew I had to like, and then I had to wait a couple of days too. So I was just like mm-hmm. all this built up just anticipation of like what happened. And like, cause I, the thing with me, and my brothers, I know he was going to be there for me. So the fact that he, they didn't tell me he was going to be there, I was shocked. Yeah. And I was just like, oh boy, something definitely happened. And then, um, just not to pile on, but even just before I like gave my phone up for the show, my brother did send me this like, um, you know, pretty sketchy text where he was just like, Hey, mm-hmm. Ivan, no matter what, uh, just finish the show. Don't worry about me no matter what happens to me out here. Mm-hmm. So like, that was just like, um, like it still honestly gives me chills. Cause like, I just get scared. Cause I, I am that protective big brother. I am like the guy who in my family mm-hmm. who like helps resolve all those things. So just knowing I wouldn't be able to be there and he wanted me to finish this no matter what happened. Um, it just yeah. freaked me out. So, so yeah. we get to home, and then so we get to hometowns, and then um, you know when I was talking to my parents there, I thought they were about to tell me something like very bad happened, and I and all I could think about was just telling myself not to cry, and um, make sure I'm there for my mom because I knew she was about to break down. Like I just mm-hmm. wanted to be strong for her there and just make her comfort her and make her feel good. Um, so I was just trying my, that's all I could think about. I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Comfort mom. That's it. And I was like, so locked in on them. Cause I, that's like when I thought they were about to say something. And that's and the was, role that you've typically had to play with, with them within, within your family. That's typically been the role that you've played. Um, like that protective big brother role. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Of like, like pull yourself together. Don't yeah. let, you know, mom kind of see that part. Like you're going to be yeah. strong and be there for her. Okay. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I've always tried to like, my mom's much more emotional than me. So like, things freak her out. So like, I, I would have to tell her things are okay. Even sometimes when they're not, I know they're not okay. Um, just cause I know that's going to cause her stress and anxiety and, and to cry and all that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, so I would just kind of bear that for her. My dad was able to do that a little bit as well too, though. Um, but yeah. And then in that moment, my brother finally comes out, I'm like locked in with my parents cause they're about to start talking about him. And then like Tasha actually pulls my face over mm-hmm. and he's like right on top of me at that point. And it was just like such a, crazy like whirlwind of emotions and because yeah. I went from this whole like zone of like don't cry don't cry something terrible is about to happen to he's right in front of me and mm-hmm. then I was just like oh my god and then I, and then I was just like oh I hate these producers a little yep. bit too <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but no, at least they got them got them out there though but I was like oh yeah they got me and then mm-hmm. uh yeah I couldn't hold back the tears it was like really just yeah. tears of joy and it was funny. There were a lot of previews of that happening and everyone mm-hmm. was like, well, Ivan, why are you crying so much? And I'm like, you'll see, you'll see. Like, <laughs> it's, just wait for it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But no, that was a really, really special moment. That whole hometown was special. I feel mm-hmm. like each one of my family members got to shine a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were really the stars of that show, not me. <laughs> Your family sure. was amazing, I will amazing. say. <laughs> they have um, more. Yeah, my brother has more quotable lines than me by far. Like, I mm-hmm. nobody remembers my lines. They had people have like three lines from him. I'm like, geez, man, mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. me look bad. <laughs> yeah. And but, yeah. so, I mean, when you were experiencing all of that, like, was that something that you would talk to Tasha about? Or, you know, if you had a partner, like, would you open up with your partner about that? Like, how do you 
cope with that stress. And as you said, kind of that like PTSD and that like almost panic that's coming up for you. How do you cope with that when that comes up? Yeah, honestly, like most, most of my life, since I've mostly been single, I've had to just deal with that myself. And, um, honestly I'm, I'm i think i am able to like just bear that burden a little bit pretty well actually but yeah like even with taisha before the hometowns like right before we walked in with my parents i did tell her i was like listen i don't know what happened with my brother i'm honestly expecting mm. bad news and i just wanted to let keep um you know keep her informed to that and, and in tune with that just in case she did see like me break down and my mom break down so she would have some like context mm-hmm. of like why that's happening so mm-hmm. i actually did like forewarn her like i have no clue why my brother's not here like it's freaking okay. me out so um yeah, well, you tuned um, and yeah, her and into how you were feeling yeah, and what your experience was. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And that you yeah, might need it, support. Yeah, for sure. And, and when it comes to having a partner in the future, I definitely uh, will lean on them. And I won't expect them to lean on me too in like situations where, um, you know, that, that can be very emotionally stressful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep. One of the questions that someone, that a few people actually submitted, uh, they were wondering how you talked to your brother before coming on the show about sharing his story. Um, You know, you did kind of share um, even just now a bit about his life and some of his experiences and and really in terms of how they've impacted you. Um, But people were curious if you talked to him beforehand about sharing his story and what those conversations were like. For sure. Yeah. It's like I said, my my brother and I, we're only a year and a half apart. He's a year and a half younger than me. And Mm -hmm. We grew up in the same room. We're still best friends and we talk all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, my brother, it's kind of just a known thing between us, but he also knew like when I went on the show, like we talked about it, like he's like, these things might come up because in order to like tell a partner or future wife about myself, like I have to tell the story of my brother. Mm-hmm. That stuff affected me more than anything else has in my life and like kind of changed yeah. my mindset in ways that nothing else has really. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I have to talk about him. And, um, I think we both like looked at it as like, um, like pretty optimistically too. Cause like, mm-hmm. I was like, Hey man, like if anything, like people will, will learn from this and, and yeah. can relate. And now my brother, he, you know, really wants to help out the guys, like all the relationships he, he made in prison and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of has a disdain honestly towards correctional officers. So, mm-hmm. um, he, me spreading light on that is he knows that's more than he would have ever been able to do by himself mm-hmm. and me and him working together over you know you know however many years we want to um mm-hmm. on like prison reform and like correctional officer brutality and like spread, just shining a light on that is going to make an impact hopefully mm-hmm. so yeah. i think that's what gives him like solace in it all and um and, and yeah he, he he's actually he's actually very excited about like what the future holds now for sure mm-hmm. Yeah. So is prison reform or, um, you know, defunding police or any of those kinds of things, things that you plan or or want to share more of on your platform or become more engaged in advocacy in in those areas? 100%. Yeah. I'm kind of like slacking on my social media, but like, yeah, in the the investing finance portion, I I want to bring that to social media and then definitely the prison reform, um, tip of things too and like bringing stories to light i think would i think would help humanize the prisoners a lot mm-hmm. oh, um, absolutely. Like my, yeah like my brother's story like the amount of stories i've heard just from like the guys he knows in there it's just uh really heartbreaking mm-hmm. stuff like very heartbreaking um with my brother's situation particularly like when he got beat up by the co's and mm-hmm. you know they wrote him up and they're the judge jury executioner and send him you know 10 months back to high security in yep. a closet with two guys that's so like six by six closet you have one hour of free time a day, um, if that, um, most of the time you don't get that. 
um, it's pure torture. It's mm-hmm. pure torture. And, you know, he was cut off from us and we had to, we could only communicate with him through writing. And he honestly went crazy in there to a certain degree. And like anybody yeah. would. Um, mm-hmm. And I like to say, it's just like the prison system in America is, is terrible. Like we have the most prisoners, but we're not nearly the biggest country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not set up for rehabilitation like at all. Like they may be, okay, they might have like a little weak program that they barely fund that does next to nothing. Yep. But it needs to be much more than that because all these people are coming back into the real world mm-hmm. and, you know, the additional physical and mental abuse they go through from COs or even the other prisoners is not helping them at all or preparing well, them for a better life out, outside of prison. Um, and from what, our yeah. culture and our society because they are so yep. demonized and de- dehumanized exactly. as well. Um, exactly. I mean, even if you just uh, highly encourage folks to watch the Khalif Browder story story on um, Netflix. It's absolutely heartbreaking, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. it does give you a lot of insight into, you know, what that experience could be like. And um, it is, it is such an area that I think everyone in our country needs to focus on because it's a yeah. significant fucking problem. Sure. Um, and it has so many consequences, like all throughout our systems. Um, sure. So yeah, thank you for kind of sharing a little bit more on on that piece and I'm excited to see kind of things that maybe your brother does in the future, oh, yeah. things that <laughs> things that you Yeah, do we yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just getting started. Got a got a lot of big plans and really mm-hmm. going to, you know, <laughs> shake yeah. up the audience a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for well, sure. Well, I have a few last questions here that are of course uh bachelor focused that people want to hear from you on. Um do you have any thoughts on the Dale and Claire breakup oh. as that is panning out this week? Jeez. Um, yeah, that's so new. I haven't talked to either of them. I honestly just feel like it's just unfortunate, really. Um, yeah. It's just unfortunate because I know, especially from Claire's side, she just seemed mm-hmm. so into it and invested. And that's why she shut the uh, show down basically like yeah. so quickly. And I really wished them nothing but the best. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, honestly, maybe this is the best thing, though. You, you never yeah. know. Like, um, they might just not be meant to be together. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, in all honesty, like, the show is not conducive for building the strongest relationship or, like, figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Like, in that short amount of time, it's tough. It's a tough thing to do mm-hmm. um, without actually being in the real world and, and, and seeing how each other lives and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, it's just unfortunate. I, I hope they both find what they're looking for, though. Yeah. Well, with that point, though, with knowing that the show kind of makes that a little bit difficult, would you go back on then? Well, <laughs> I will say, you know, you know, I will say it's a higher rate than me going out to like the bars and clubs, though, still, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hope you ain't doing that in the first place. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Well, but yeah, yeah. But oh, like, good. yeah, for sure. I mean, I've only had one girlfriend, so I mean, got to start, got to try something new out. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I, I definitely would. I think a situation like a uh, Bachelor in Paradise or, or or something like that, where there's like more options, maybe uh, more different types of people, um, I could imagine that potentially working out a little bit better. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean the 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 show, you don't you're not only making like you know love relationships, you're also like making like great like friendships too, and like other stuff. So like it's a, mm-hmm. it brings so it brings so much goodness. And I honestly just had the greatest time of my life pretty much. And 
uh, my experience from top to bottom was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And like, why wouldn't I do it again? Because my experience has been great. I know in the past, it hasn't been the greatest for a lot of people. But for me, I have no complaints. I built a lot of friendships. Yeah. And um, I'm grateful for it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that, people did have a question about one of your friendships. Um, oh, boy. Me, I kind of, I wasn't going to ask it, but now I'm like, okay, well, you just said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> they said, what was his take on Bennett? Why does Ivan side with Noah? Um, oh. So they wanted to Fair know enough. why you were friends with Noah. And I'm like, <clears throat> you know, actually, I guess I have questioned that myself as well. We've talked about that a little bit, but <laughs> <Jeez>. go ahead. <laughs> So, so, okay, in the house, right, um, it was a much older season, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm 28, so I was actually one of the younger guys. I was like the fourth or fifth youngest guy there, I think. So a lot of, honestly, it just felt like, I was cool with a lot of older guys, but it just felt like the younger guys kind of just banded together a little bit and just hung out more, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, ate together more. So like me, Noah, Damar, Jordan, um, mm-hmm. Arthur Riley in there too, he's kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just hung out more. And um and in particular with the Noah Bennett situation, um, that was a case where, obje- well, I guess I can't say objectively, but biasly speaking, since I'm Noah's friend, um, I just, I didn't see Noah like really going after being a jerk to people. Um, I know he caused some drama through some of his actions, but he wasn't like overtly doing anything bad. I saw Bennett being a jerk to people. Like he had mm-hmm. asshole tendencies is what I say, would say. He, yeah. Um, he could be funny sometimes and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a funny guy, like has me rolling, dying, laughing with his character and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then with when... his character, which is an important. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And then but then when like he comes and like says something kind of rude to me or says something rude to a producer and gets into it with multiple people, you just start to see like, hey, um, yeah. yeah, there's something kind of off with this guy or I don't know what he's got going on. So um, mm-hmm. that's how I, I, yeah, I stand by that um, really. Yeah, yeah Bennett. Yeah, and, and I think we got to see a little bit of that when he tried to come back and tell Tasha he loves her. Like, granted, I don't know his feelings, but if we're being dead honest, like the guy was being completely fake there. So, like, it's just like little stuff like that. I, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't even want to give it too much time, honestly, mm-hmm. just because like I know he's doing what he needs to do, and I, yeah. he does make for good TV for some people and throws like a little spin in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just don't bring it towards me, babe. That's all, that's it. Like, just don't bring it towards me, Bennett. That's it. Yeah. Like, bring that. Keep that over there with the other people who wanted to go jack around. Like, yeah, yeah. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense because yeah, Noah wasn't doing anything that was mean to anyone else. He definitely might have been annoying or like a little irritating with yeah. his actions, but he wasn't like being a dick. Um, so that that makes sense. Um, yeah. Another question. How did you? I, can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. How did you feel about Noah and Bennett's two-on-one with the emotional intelligence book? <laughs> we have to put it out there. <laughs> um, all right. So first, I think the character piece is very prevalent. Um, I think Bennett does a very good job of playing the character that he wants to be known as, of being this kind of elitist, very intelligent clin. Kent, Kent Clark, whatever the fuck, Superman dude, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of kind of character. Um, I didn't think that his whole gifting was very genuine. I don't think that was fully in good spirit of wanting to help Noah at all. I really feel like true disdain for the fact that people associate me with him because of the emotional intelligence piece. And I think the way that 
I explained it was because I was point blank being asked about it. I was Mm -hmm. asked to share on, you know, my thoughts on the person and on the the questioning of whether or not like it's a good match kind of a thing. I was asked that, which is why I brought it up. Then I was asked, what am I talking about? Which is why I explained it all while being bulldozed and gaslit and manipulated Mm -hmm. for two hours and yelled at and name called. Um, But I think with the Bennett situation, he was literally being condescending. He mm-hmm. was literally talking down to, to Noah um, and doesn't even necessarily have a degree in counseling, but he has the hard work <laughs> behind him. Um, you know, he did give a thorough explanation of emotional intelligence, which I was like, yeah, that's all correct. But like, ain't nobody asked you to go down this <laughs> route, bro. <laughs> like, nobody asked you it's, for this. Yeah. And Noah, like, this is just not not good Jeez. and yeah yeah it's the it self-awareness me, piece for me yeah yeah and then for Tasha to call attention to the tension and then he's like well what tension i wasn't aware I was, of intention it was like it made no sense bro what we all um, see it i'm like it makes no sense what are you talking about man <laughs> are you in the same room <laughs> yeah yeah so i definitely did not that was not an enjoyable scene for me and i do not want to be associated with that period Got it. um i really hope that's not on paradise but i'm sure it will be um is there anyone that you want to see on paradise ivan um you know i want to see all my best friends from the show on there um <laughs> I'm going to play a coy here and not really answer, but, you know, there's a, a lot of beautiful women out there, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah, hoping yeah. to see all my guy friends, though. That'd be cool, too. Just hang out. Okay. You know? Yeah. What Anyone? about you? What about yourself? <laughs> um, I think it would be wonderful to see you on there. I think it'd be wonderful to see Riley on there. I think it'd be wonderful to see Damar because we were robbed of airtime from him. My boy. Um, yeah. yeah. And he's so stylish. Oh, um, for sure. Like swagging on us, <laughs> swagging on all of us for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to think of who else, what, uh, <laughs> Ivan, you know what? <laughs> Yeah, he fine. I think he's great on Paradise. <laughs> he definitely real fine. Um, who was I just gonna say? Uh, Joe was that his name? The Doctor Joe. Doctor Joe. Yeah. Doctor Joe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he'd be great on there. Um, yeah, I like feel like I would need to see images of everyone, but um, <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Anyone that you are thinking from the current season that you think would be good for Bachelorette? For Bachelorette? Oh, um, oh, yeah. oh, that'll be tough. Um, you know, last week I was like, oh, Sarah looks like a Bachelorette, but now she's gone. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly did think that. Um, okay. But yeah, now now I, 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 I wouldn't say that. Abigail, potentially, I think would be a good Bachelorette, it seems like. And then, um, you know, Bree and Serena had those one-on-ones. They did, I think they did a great job. So potentially any of those three would be the front runners for me right now, at least for the Bachelorette. Or paradise. Uh, I'm saying nothing about paradise, you know, from that perspective. I'll let everybody float their ideas out there and we'll, we'll see what happens. But <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're quality women, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a lot of quality women on this season. And I really, I want to see them with some fine men. Like, I want to see them with some real quality, quality 
men mm-hmm. like yourself because some of the dudes that we cast on the show, not we, they cast mm-hmm. on the show. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you already know how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, they did a great job with casting you. I'm so happy that you were Thank on the you. show and I'm so happy that you had a great experience and that people were able to actually like authentically get a get a connection with you and be able to, you know, learn about your life in a way that was very I think relatable, very authentic and really helpful yeah. for people as well. Very healing. I'm, I'm sure for some yeah. as well. Um, and that you just like had a good experience because I mean, you. like you said, not everybody does. And so I'm just very, very happy that, yeah. that you did and that I got to meet you. Uh, that's one of the fun things sure. about being part of this weird ass family. Um, is that sometimes you get to meet some really cool people along the way. So I'm really happy to have you in my life and really excited to see where all of this wildness takes you. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I'm, very appreciative for you um, having me on your podcast for one, but then also like um, just providing support throughout the season as well. Um, you were one of the few people that like reached out to me um, while the season was going on. And anytime somebody did that, honestly, it just made me feel like 10 times better. Cause I was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Like the people who've done this before are supporting me and mm-hmm. it, it made me feel like accepted, I guess, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for that. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it's uh I feel like I could talk to you for hours, really, almost all the time whenever we talk. So it's, it's usually uh, like a few hours, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, uh, I'm sure, yeah, I think we'll probably be friends for a long time, so. Yeah. It's awesome, yeah. It's, uh, and then I think we can both both probably be like a little bit more optimistic with the direction of, you know, the Bachelor mm-hmm. world, too, just with our season and with Matt's season potentially here going forward. And mm-hmm. hopefully we keep seeing change and, and are um, able to help be driving forces with that. Me starting now, I'm you've been doing that for mm-hmm. sure, you and Rachel and others. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I plan to, you know, hop on board and, and push for change as well. Yeah, definitely. I do feel like this... I don't know about Bachelorette yet, but I do feel like this next season of Paradise is probably going to be one of the best seasons that they filmed just because I do feel like in the last, in the last few seasons, really from the literally last one to this one and hopefully with Bachelorette, like there have been some really quality, amazing people casted to where it does feel like there was more representation for different things. And it's, I think, going to all interact in paradise and be very entertaining for folks to watch. Um, If people want to follow all the things that you're doing and keep up with you, where's the best place they could find you um, and all the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody could just follow me, you know, on on social media at at Ivan B Hall, B as in boy. Um, I got a website coming up too, but you could just see all that from my Instagram mostly or or Twitter. Um, So yeah follow the journey it's going to be fun got a lot of stuff coming out um mm-hmm. you know and, and who knows like i might still be in this bachelor world going forward or not if i find a girlfriend but we'll see <laughs> oh yeah that was one thing we didn't get to <laughs> <laughs> i will just let it go <laughs> um you mentioned your twitter but you didn't say your twitter what's your twitter oh my twitter is ivan b hall eight and then okay. everything else is ivan b hall on TikTok and Instagram and my website's ivanbhall.com. But okay. it's not up yet, but it's coming, working on it. 
All right. Well, and also, I mean, you mentioned <laughs> that you might be a part of Bachelor World for a little bit longer. Um, good luck not being a part of it, even when, <laughs> even, even when you have a girlfriend. Um, you know, <laughs> even when that day comes for you, if it's before mm-hmm. paradise, if it's after paradise, if it's mm-hmm. during paradise. Um, <laughs> then, <laughs> then either way, good luck because it, it's it stays with you. It really does. Gotcha. But you can use it for good, which I think you yes. already are. So yes, I, I yeah, I I think a few of us like uh, myself and especially like Joe, like mm-hmm. it gives us a platform to really talk about things that we're passionate about, and I think that's so powerful and to being able mm-hmm. to impact and help people out. And it's definitely expediting all of that for me for sure because that was something mm-hmm. I was kind of pushing off till a little bit later, but definitely expedited expedites it for me, and um, very looking very excited to the future yeah. what the future has. So um yeah yeah you were gonna do that in your 40s and 50s right in the timeline of your the timeline kind of yeah it moved up a little bit like I always wanted to like help out a little bit but like I was mostly focused on you know building my businesses and stuff Mm -hmm. in my 30s but like and then like in my 40s and 50s you know being able to be really settled in and and financially stable Mm -hmm. and then being able to like focus 24 7 of my time um, and making that like my main priority and job but now I can mix that in a little bit more now for sure with this platform yeah Nice. Well, yep. ladies, Ivan B. Hall, go slide right on in there. Um, he's got his finances together, is ready for all the things. Is a fantastic, fantastic human. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show and sharing all the fun things with us. Of course, Taylor. Anytime. Got to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> all right. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, and, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing whilst you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. Then cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app.